0: Hello and welcome to The Thriving Board Podcast. I'm Louise Wiles, an expat and transition coach and your host for these conversations where we share stories, strategies, tips and tricks to help you build a thriving international life. Have you moved abroad to support your partner's career? If so, this is a conversation for you. Over the years, I have met many, many expat partners as well as being one myself. And our story often goes... Our partner comes home from work one day and says, I've been offered a great opportunity for a new role. The only possible problem is, it's abroad. After much discussion, the decision is made to take this great opportunity. There's excitement, anticipation, mixed with a certain trepidation. We plan, we prepare, and then we say goodbye to friends, families, jobs and colleagues and move abroad. The first weeks and months are busy in terms of settling in, adjusting, getting to know the area, meeting new people and generally finding our feet. Our partners are busy, busy, settling into their new role and often travelling a fair bit too. Life settles into a new routine and everyone tells us you're so lucky. Friends and family visit. And some of us are really fulfilled with this new life around 30% according to the research. For others, there's a the nagging feeling that there is something missing. And the partner begins to wonder, well, what's in it for me? In episode 68, last week's episode, Louise Ross spoke about Eric, an ex-partner who realised that when he moved internationally for the second time, he would really have to find something for himself and make that a priority. And this is something that my guest today, Margaret Gilmetti, recognises only too well. Excited to live internationally and fulfil a lifelong dream of travel and adventure, Margaret was excited to embark on her first international relocation with her husband. But as the first move morphed into the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and so on, Margaret increasingly asked the question, well, what about me? Listen as Margaret shares her amazing story, her insights and what she learned from her exciting international adventure through nine international moves. As always, you can go to the blog post associated with this podcast episode look for episode 69 and there you'll find the transcript if you prefer to read. And while you're there, please sign up for my regular thriving board newsletter then, we can keep in touch and I can keep you up to date with all the latest Thriving Abroad news. Enjoy the conversation. So hello and welcome to this Thriving Abroad conversation and I'm really excited today to welcome Margaret to the conversation. Hi Margaret. Hi Louise, how are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. So Margaret is sitting in Switzerland, right at this moment, is that right? Yes, yes. And I'm speaking to you as always from the UK. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. I always think it's really nice to know where we are sat right. in the global <laughs> sense as we're talking so paint that picture for everyone so Margaret just tell us a little bit about your expat journey and so what led you to have the mobile lifestyle or life that you have had and led you to write the book that you wrote which
1: we're going to talk a bit about during our conversation today okay Uh, First of all, thank you so much for having me. I really love what you're doing with Thriving Abroad. So I really, really appreciate you including me. Um, What led me to my expat journey was my husband's career. I had been a traveler since uh, I could travel, really. My mom always said I was born with one foot at home and one foot exploring the world. So I was always inherently (laughs) someone really interested in the world, but would have probably been happy being a traveler until I met my Swiss husband. I'm from Chicago originally. And he had already lived overseas and it was really important to him. He loves to be inside of a culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so when his company, which was at the time Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts asked us, would we move to Egypt? I said, yes. Um, It helped that I have, my college degree is in Arabic and French. So it was really fulfilling Mm -hmm. a dream for me. Uh, And then subsequent to moving from, we moved from Chicago to New York to Paris to Cairo, to Sharm el-Sheikh, to Chiang Mai, to Bangkok, to Chicago, to Singapore, to Chicago. So that's our (laughs) journey. Um, And it really was an extraordinary thing. But it did start out because I wanted to be open-minded to the notion of being inside a different culture as opposed to just visiting it. And then to your second part of the question, why I wrote the book, Bravish Memoir of a Recovering Perfectionist, uh, it was after, and I don't wanna get too political, but after a certain presidential election where I Mm -hmm. felt that uh, my country, the United States, that there was a certain pressure that the other was bad. The other was bad. And my experience living on four continents and visiting almost 50 countries is, the world is not my enemy. Um, I would never have learned what I learned if I hadn't lived in all these different places, I wouldn't have met all the amazing people I met if I hadn't traveled there. So I started out by thinking, I'm going to share my traveler's tales. And as I started to write, the book morphed into not only my physical journey, but my emotional journey, starting out as a trailing spouse and then finding my own creative voice again uh, as the years went on.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll
0: get into talking about that um, in, in in a minute. But um, you know, I was really struck um, by your description of your life um, as you relocated for your pet your for your partner's career. Um, you know, on the one hand, you are really excited for new adventures, and that really comes through in the book your passion for the location and for investigating the culture and and you know and really enjoying living in that culture. Um, but then on the other, there were challenges raised by the whole sort of question of transition and the changes that came with that from both personally and profes- professionally. So can you share some of the challenges that sort of are front of mind or that, you know, really sort of resonated with you over that time and with all those different transitions?
1: Absolutely. I think the biggest challenge for me was I quit my job uh, when I was 40 in 2000 to follow my husband's career. And it was intentional and I don't have any regrets, but I had been working about 200% in sales and customer service for for many years by then. So all of a sudden I found myself without a professional identity. Mm. Um, And really what happened was as opposed to taking the time, I didn't have the capacity to do this, to take the time to figure out what I wanted to do. I started to throw myself into other roles. to be the best expatriate, to be the best corporate spouse, to be the best hostess to the world, Um, and I really, nature abhors a vacuum, that was a big challenge for me that I didn't even, I didn't know how to create my own life at that point. Mm -hmm. So that was very challenging. I would say I only realized quite recently, actually, that some places were made it difficult for me to be the perfect expat because I really don't like to admit that. I don't like to admit that. And I really never want anyone to, to think poorly of another place or another people, but it was very challenging in ways that I wasn't expecting it to be. There were mm-hmm. some things culturally that I thought, I'm gonna be completely fine with this. I am speak languages, I'm multicultural, I'm super flexible. Yeah, well, It was still super challenging. So I think Mm, the other mm. big challenge was just not knowing what I was in for. I thought I Mm. had it handled and I didn't have it, didn't have it handled.
0: That's quite interesting, isn't it? So our our belief about our openness could actually be a challenge. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. For me it was a matter of some of those attributes that are really um, things that I, I consider great for someone who likes to travel and live abroad, but in excess, you know, as you say, I think there are good qualities to have to be open, but Mm -hmm. it's good to also know what our limits are. And I Mm -hmm. didn't know what my limits were. I just always was a glass half full person. And I was completely blindsided by the fact that sometimes I was very lonely and very Mm bewildered, so a lot of loneliness and bewildered that I was not expecting at all. So I was blindsided by my own, as you say, some of the attributes. Uh, I went in uh, all guns blazing, and yikes! (laughs) It caught me by surprise.
0: (laughs) But, and I do think that, I mean, you moved so many times, number one, so there was so much change going on there, but also the way in which you moved. I think at one one point you, you talk in your book, I mean, you say, I think when you moved to Egypt you had one week right or you gave yourself one week to settle down and then the next right. move you gave yourself a month exactly. <laughs> and I, I can relate to that because I remember when we moved to Madrid my first move I thought well you know within a month I'll be settled in and I'll have made all these friends right. and it will all be exactly. lovely and easy and and by three months I'll speak Spanish fluently and okay. you know no that didn't happen That's and true. um <laughs> All I can say is I think you definitely live and learn as an expat, most definitely. Exactly, um, exactly. But I'd also say the nature of the way in which you moved probably was a cha- challenge in that respect because your husband was immediately into a very demanding, time-intensive
1: role, wasn't he? So That's yeah. very true. That's very true. And we've had some conversations about that subsequently uh, once <laughs> I found my voice. Uh, Because it's true, my husband Patrick would, and he's the first one to admit that. He said, I know it was much easier for me because he would arrive at a Four Seasons hotel, be whisked away, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would rarely see him again because it's a 24-7 kind of business. And it was a really immediate sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I do think also only later on in our moving career did Four Seasons start to do things like giving people an orientation session, which I found hugely helpful. Um, And Mm -hmm. to your point, only later in our career did I start to realize it wasn't gonna happen in a week that I was gonna be fluent in Thai or any language. (laughs) And what I really realized is I want one person that I can have a coffee with and have an intelligent, kind conversation. I really shifted my focus from exactly what you described to I'm gonna be fluent and I'm gonna have a host of friends and I'm gonna be completely comfortable to realizing, oh, I, I know what's really important to me, and that is having one friend and, you know, some other acquaintances. So I, I did definitely evolve over 20 years of moves, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really valuable message to anyone just set, going moving for the first time, you know, finding that one connection point and, and you know, having someone to, yeah you know, ask questions of, but also to have that, connection and friendship yes. with it is so important um yes. and there are so many ways you know I often say to people you can start this before you ever leave by you know we're so fortunate now you know when I first moved to Madrid yes. there was no Facebook there was no um Instagram <laughs> there wasn't was, yeah you know, I, I couldn't find those connections um and so I ended up doing it seven eight months in and going okay, I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm going to have to join one of the international women's groups, which I kind of (laughs) resolutely resolutely tried not to join because I had this vision of me just seamlessly integrating into Spanish life. (laughs) Exactly.
1: You live live (laughs) and learn. Right. Right. (laughs) Totally agree. And I must say that's probably one of the big pieces of advice, and I know you're going to ask that later, but I do join the women's group immediately. And then I'm really careful about what I participate in. Since I'm a writer, Mm -hmm. for me, the key is always the book group because I know Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have genuine conversations with people, Um, I can really be myself and talk about something Mm -hmm. that matters for me. me, There are other parts of women's groups that don't interest me as much, but Mm -hmm. I've learned to really jump in. And in fact, when we moved back to Chicago, my hometown, before we arrived, I joined the international women's group there, even in my hometown, because mm-hmm. I I needed to be with other people who have a broader vision. I, I needed to be with women who understand that the world does not stop at our county mm-hmm. lines. So that I, I totally agree with you. That's something I learned along the way to join the yeah. women's group.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you're joining groups of like-minded people who have similar exactly. experiences, and and you know everywhere I every time I've moved up you know so after I moved from Madrid I moved to Lisbon and then they, there I did immediately join international women in Portugal I'll give that a push because I know it still exists as a group and it was just a lifesaver and um and like you chose the groups I wanted to belong be be, be involved in and and it just yeah it kick-started that whole social side of of life mm-hmm. and gave me something to focus on in those early week weeks and months and um, and actually, just before we move on, just one other point I want to make to anyone listening who's embarking on a relocation right now. And you know, this whole point of arriving and settling in, you know, I think so often companies are so keen that the employee gets right into work right. and right on with the job. But if there is any way the employee can influence that and give you as a partner as partners or family, if you've got kids going to, you know, three or four days or a week to, to settle and orientate yourselves. I think that is just
1: so important. Um, I completely something- agree. I completely agree. And also to be with our partners in this new setting, because mm. as difficult as it has been, it's they each move has been one of the highlights of my life. I mean, I really wouldn't trade I don't care how hard it was. I wouldn't trade a second of it, but I would have loved a little bit of time with my husband just to say, wow, look at us, we're in, (laughs) fill in the blanks. And just to experience that together as a couple, as opposed to immediately being kind of ripped off into these different directions. So I completely agree with you. If companies could see an orientation tour and a couple days, just let the family or the couple go gosh look at us we're in someplace really special i completely agree with you yeah yeah
0: yes because it's i mean people people talk about onboarding to a job i hate the word onboarding but you know (laughs) (laughs) companies will give that time but i think there is you know scope or a need to onboard you or be onboarded to the new life or onboard yourself however it's going to happen but just to be given time to to work a few things out yourself and develop some new routines and especially with kids i've definitely, you know, to have that time to, with kids to work out, okay, where's school? How are we gonna get from home to school? Where do we go to buy, you know, what we like to eat? So that we all have some familiarity about our day to day that then just eases everyone into, you know,
1: the new life life in that, in that place, so. I totally agree. Yeah. And I did wanna mention on that, since my husband and I were not blessed with children, a lot of people who did not have this lifestyle have said to me, oh, it was so much easier for you to move without kids. And I'm not sure that that's true. On a, on a logistics level, for sure it was true, for mm. sure it was true, mm. but mm. to not have the social setting of the other parents' groups and the schools and whatnot. So that's just a note to anyone who's doing this without children. I hear mm. you, contact me because I know it's a, it's a different kind of journey to not have that immediate sort of enveloping, for better or worse, uh, school situation mm-hmm. with kids. I, I but take- I totally get what you're saying. As a parent, it must be very nice I want to know where my kids are. I want to know their school. I want to and I want my partner to see that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I totally agree with that because I, I moved without kids, you know, the first two moves, no kids. So that's when I learned, you know, that I needed to find these clubs in order to make because otherwise I was on my own. It was, you know, my my first I remember my first five or six months in Madrid. The first two or three, I just couldn't believe how lucky I was not having to get up and go to my (laughs) job, which I hadn't really been enjoying every day. (laughs) I could go to my Spanish language lessons and the gym and walk around Madrid and, you know, do my thing. And I loved it. But then suddenly I realised, you know, actually, Louise, you're actually quite isolated. I think probably at the end of that first cycle of language lessons and the students, they were all, a lot of them were younger than me, but they were doing kind of a term lessons at the university and I just joined in with them they all went home again and I was definitely oh now I need to start again and Mm -hmm. yeah without kids it's it's very difficult the kids certainly have given me structure later on as we Mm -hmm. moved in yeah and a way of making friends definitely yeah Yeah. so that kind of brings me on to kind of you know a lot of our listeners are expat partners Mm -hmm. Um, so they've moved because of their employees jobs and so they're going to relate to a lot of the challenges we're we're talking to um and I've you know in previous podcasts I've talked with other people about how this experience can lead to an existential crisis in terms of you know what am I going to do with my life um, and and how am I going to take my professional life forward and is that something that you can relate to is that something that you found yourself
1: asking yourself questions about as you moved around. 100%, 100 <laughs> And in fact, and I, uh, that's really what my book is all about, was going in thinking, oh, just what you said with the Spanish lessons. I finally have time to write what we call the great American novel. And I had my turquoise blue journal, and I would go to the cafe, and quickly, because of the existential, sort of the void of not knowing who I was anymore, really without a business card, as I say, I started to really fill in the void with other things. I started, mm. I put off the book because it was easier for me to get a quick payoff from being really a people pleaser. And I mean, I could fill in some emotional gaps really quickly. So when I was feeling lost existentially without a career, I filled that in by being the perfect wife, the perfect corporate entertainer, the perfect mover, the perfect. I put a lot of perfect roles in there, which really got me far away from what I said I wanted to do. So mm. it was a huge existential crisis, which I didn't recognize at the time. Uh, of course, mm. hindsight is twenty-twenty. <laughs> I see that now, but I was putting a lot of things in to keep that existential void at, at bay. I don't want to get too uh, philosophical, but I really think it's a it's a it's a big issue for people to suddenly find themselves in a situation where we're not exactly sure who we are, um, mm-hmm. where we belong. I It became clear to me that I was no longer 100% a Chicagoan. I was no longer 100%. I was somehow... My roots were different. Um, so on a lot of levels, I think it's really can be very destabilizing for people. So yeah. yes, I relate to that a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, when I when I think back also to my time and I think, you know, I had kids. So I worked when I was in Madrid, then moved to Lisbon and and studied and then became pregnant with my first daughter, and then we had children. And I can totally relate to that so you were the perfect wife do it in, in everything you did and I kind of filled my void by being the perfect mum in a way and I still have that playing back to me now because I built my own self-esteem around how I do everything you know for the family and for the kids right. and and now I try to combine both <laughs> <laughs> and you know and I can it's still yeah it's still it's still and I, I can see why I did it and when I read that you know as I was reading a book I, I was reflecting on that part of my life and thinking oh is that what I was doing kind of rather than you know I made up this story around how I don't have time to work full time nine to five and you know so I had my business um and built my business and thriving abroad around it okay so I do have a professional focus and that's growing now my kids are growing up so I have much more time now but whilst they were younger and we were still moving um that really did take up a lot of my time. I know in your book, you talk about you know, settling into new locations and the time it takes and the transition and, 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 you know, and that's kind of a distraction from the blue book and writing and right. going to the cafe. And right. I can, I can <laughs> see parallels. I can see parallels. <laughs>
1: Thank you for seeing me. <laughs>
0: so what, what, what's the, um, yeah, what, how, if other people are listening and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, perhaps this is what's happening to me and mm. I'm, I'm doing something similar. What would your advice be to them?
1: Wow. My advice would be to try to get really honest with ourselves uh, and try to see what payoffs we're willing to let go of. Because what you just said, being the perfect mom or me being the perfect corporate spouse, there was a very strong payoff. So Mm -hmm. I kept saying I wanted to do one thing, but I kept doing another thing because the payoff was really, really strong. Um, It was only when I got really honest with the fact that I really wanted something else. I didn't want to just be the perfect fill in the blank, everything. Mm I really wanted to refine my creative expression. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the shift happened then when it became really clear to me, oh, I want something more than I want the status quo. I'm willing yeah. to sacrifice. You know, I talk about taking off the, the crown and the angel wings and the superwoman cape mm-hmm. and all the stuff that I had layered on because mm-hmm. it felt really good. It felt really mm-hmm. good to have people say, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, you're so brave and you've moved around the world and you're so such a great daughter and blah 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 and i treasured all of those roles but i knew that i was tricking myself if i didn't at some point say the talk is the clock is ticking what do i want to do um, mm-hmm. i also think i got a lot more honest in my conversations with my husband to say i still absolutely i'm crazy about him i support him 100% but i needed to create my own life. And I needed his mm-hmm. support to remind me when I was slipping into old behavior, because he can mm-hmm. tell when I'm filling in the void by, oh, oh, she's sliding back into old roles. So mm-hmm. it helped me mm-hmm. to enlist him. And he's been a very fierce advocate. Um, and I know that's come at a price for him. He jokes about it. He's like, why on earth did I tell you <laughs> to put yourself first, Margaret? You know? <laughs> what kind of <laughs> idiot does that? So I'm I'm grateful to him. And to get more honest with my friends um, and my family, because even now reading my book, people are telling me, I had no idea you were struggling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because mm-hmm. I didn't tell you. So I mm-hmm. would get mm-hmm. a lot, I would hope for people that they could get a lot more honest with themselves and think, yeah. gosh, what do I want? What do I really want from this? Yes exactly mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. yeah and i think also i think it's also important to say and i'm, I'm just thinking back to some research i we, i did back in 2012 where we had a lot of um expat partners talk about careers we asked questions about their you know their how their careers had played out in the face of international relocation as an ex, as a partner and um you know what they really wanted and had those once being realized and, and some about 78% said they wanted a career of some sort but the 22% said they didn't and I do remember one, one person's reaction which was really strong and saying you know I, I kind of even resent a survey like this because you're implying to me that I should want something more and I'm perfectly happy with what I have so I just want to say to anyone listening to this going I don't recognize this and I am perfectly happy that That's absolutely fine. (laughs) We're not trying to say that you should be anything, Um, but just recognizing that, you know, a lot of people, um, yeah. And at different stages of your life as well, you know, there have been times when I've been perfectly happy to be focused totally on the kids and home. And, you know, I've made that as an active choice, but I suppose that's the point, isn't it? Exactly. You're making an active conscious choice about how you're spending your life and being really intentional about that because, that's the other thing I've learned is that time zooms by when you're right. when you're living your life in those chunks of time, you know, two years here, three years there, one year here. Time just goes because you spend so much time preparing to move, moving, <laughs> settling in. And then oh, another year has gone. And then right. another year. And and, so, and suddenly you're looking back and saying, gosh, that's 5 years gone and my intention was but I didn't actually ever get to that. So it's yes. about being clear about,
1: yeah, intentions. I think. And I completely yeah. agree with you. I have no, uh, I, I'm not at all invested in if people want X, Y, or Z. But what my wish for people is that exactly what you said, that they get in touch with what their, what their own want is, what their own intention is. Because as you say, otherwise we just get caught up in this sort of stream of, events and moves. So yeah, if someone, if that's what they want, more power to them. I'm totally, I just wish for people that they, just what you said, that they have intention about what that person wants.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I guess it doesn't
0: have to be a professional intention. It can be personal. Yeah. You know, it can be, how am I going to spend my time and what do I want to be focusing on? And if yes. it's not career, that doesn't have any, doesn't resonate, doesn't have any attraction. That's that's fine. If you absolutely you have the support you need to not need that, then you know, what is it you want to do personally? Where is your yeah, intention exactly. there? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of links into my next question, which was um that you you talk about midlife being a transformative time. So I, I don't know whether you you're you're meaning that this all led to this transformative midlife time or whether you you've you had all the transformation through the transitions, but then also another another round around the transformation, okay. <laughs> if you get the question.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's a really a matter of timing. Um, I'm always grateful. I say I have earned this silver hair. So a lot of stuff, you know, we really have to live it uh, to mm. ex- to to learn from it. So I think it has been, I know it's been a transformational time for me uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, I lo- really love personal growth. I love working with coaches like you. I mm-hmm. love reading books like your book. I love learning from people. And it's a cumulative effect of mm-hmm. then transformation for me has taken place. Uh, I do think, uh, well, I can only speak for myself, that it really, the transformation started to happen after I had had enough experiences to have kind of a critical mass where I could see, oh, okay, I want things to be different than they were the first few times.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So gradually things built up to the point where you, yeah. It, it was time. time. <laughs> it was time. The tipping point. The tipping point, <laughs> like, yeah. exactly. A tipping point, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, Yeah. And I guess many of us will experience that in different times. And people also talk about, you know, different transition times in life. So, you know, often um, people will talk about the transition when you, you know, you make that first choice around, Um, career and whose career leads and perhaps if people have children you know that prompts that first transition time but then the next one is often around you know well somebody's having a doubt about career perhaps both partners one partner Mm -hmm. needing a new direction or thinking they want a new direction and so then there's another transition so um and then later on in life as children leave home and empty nesters you have then you know a whole another set of questions around absolutely. Filling the, absolutely So i can i can see how those those come about yeah
1: yeah and i think um, a lot of my transformation perhaps came when i was starting to care for my parents at the end of their mm-hmm. lives so mm-hmm. living in singapore about my parents in chicago um it kind of forced the question i was it, it was uh I was grateful to be able to get on airplanes. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for the existence of airplanes. I hope we can get back to them soon because yeah. it allowed me to go back and be uh, participative in their care. But that was definitely a very transformative time for me. It It focused things very, very firmly. I mean, it really, the sense of the passage of time and mm sort of what, what was I waiting for to live my own mm. life? So mm. I, as you say, as a parent, I'm sure the, the empty nest experience, having children and then having them leave, there are mm. some definitely some sort of crucible moments where I think each of us is forced into a transformation. And that was probably one of the biggest ones for me was yeah. seeing, oh yeah. gosh, uh, this really, the clock is ticking in ways that mm. maybe i didn't want to see before, yeah,
0: yeah, well, and I think we all kind of live through i don't not everyone because obviously everyone's life and you know, age of parents and illnesses and so on differ, but yeah, those points arise, and they cause you to to reflect, don't they, and flip back mm. on um and 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 I think particularly when you're an expat and you're having to cope with those kind of challenges from a distance as well, that kind of makes even more pertinent doesn't it because you're having to plan your life around trips back and yes um, and and that can be really challenging yeah yes Mm -hmm. um so I would like to ask this question because um hindsight is a wonderful thing (laughs) (laughs) so if you were looking back on your international journey um and all that you've experienced and learned through it What would your advice to your younger self be about um, embarking on this international adventure and and how you would approach it or suggest that your younger self approached it?
1: (laughs) Um, I would say, ask for help. Ask for help from every possible human being that you can reach out to. That was definitely the mistake I made. I had to learn how to ask for help and how to accept help. Um, mm-hmm. And that happened during my expatriate journey. As I say, I really thought I had it. So why would I ask for help? I didn't want to mm. bother people. People want to be bothered. People really mm-hmm. want to help. I mean, I'm ecstatic when a new expatriate asks me, you know, or, or if there's any way I can be helpful. And I wish I had known that. I wish I had known Mm -hmm. ask for help because I did all the reading I could, but just like you, there weren't Facebook uh, groups. Mm -hmm. There weren't uh, a lot of the networks that are now. So I I love to try to create those and made an effort Mm -hmm. to create those, but it's a lot easier now there is help out there. So for me, it's for sure ask for help and accept help. Yeah.
0: And I, I guess with that comes that kind of vulnerability, doesn't it? And exactly. don't mind being a little bit vulnerable because I think exactly. we all, yeah, we exactly. all want to seem as though we're capable and coping, right? right. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. We will have our challenges. <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's another thing about sort of expat groups, and perhaps that's how you know. That they have really increased in numbers in recent years, I think, and and because of social media too. And you see a lot more sharing and a bit a lot more honesty about the experience than mm-hmm. probably we saw or even heard ten, fifteen years ago. You know, I mean, when I first started working in this area, people would say, "Oh, in the expat groups, no one actually talks about feeling unhappy because that, you know, a they don't know whether their you know boss of their husband or partner." Exactly is sitting across the table. So they just don't actually admit. And it was only in small intimate groups that people would start
1: to open up. Um, But I think that's beginning to change a bit,
0: yeah.
1: Mm. I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of that because I really think it it will make things a lot easier for people. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, I I love to dip into the pity pool when I'm feeling really sad or low. I put the bubbles in the pity pool. I take in a book, I take in a cup of coffee. And then once you know the bubbles dissipate and the water's getting cold, I, it's time for me to come out. So I don't spend a lot of time, but mm. I do think it's really important to be honest. And as you say, that really does take some vulnerability. Um, I've never once had any one person say to me, you shouldn't be so honest. You shouldn't be asking for help. You, mm. should, you mm. should shut that down. Um, I do genuinely think people wanna care. It's up to me. Mm to give people the opportunity to be helpful. And I love that there are resources out there.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think the important thing to say with I love the I love the image of the pity pool. Um <laughs> but you know part of of living well is also, you know, struggle in life is a part of life, you know. And I think sometimes when we move abroad we think we're going to leave that struggle behind. I don't know why <laughs> you have that vision of this perfect new location where everything is going to be, you know, as we would dream it and expect right. it to be, um, and then when we find that it's not, or when we find just that we struggle emotionally, which of course mm-hmm. we do at various points. That life is full of ups and downs, um, and I think perhaps that's something we're all learning at the moment with the the, the pandemic. You know that yeah True. we're all struggling at various points, and perhaps Absolutely. we're being a bit more open about that, which is mm-hmm. perhaps one positive that's coming right. from this. <laughs> painful experience (laughs) right Right. (laughs) yeah and right well um I think probably we're coming to the end of the conversation and I don't know whether this is whether you have another point to add to this I mean you've shared so many great ideas that um but I just wanted to ask what your number one tip for thriving abroad would be if you had
1: one one top tip is there yeah, anything else? Uh, as as much as I say ask for help, I really do say to new expats, grow where you're planted. I do think it's really important to share our honest feelings, but I also really think it's important for people to give whatever place it is a fair shake. It's not going to be exactly like my hometown. It's not going to be exactly the foods and that to me is very exciting that's something I really Mm -hmm. cherish but I know for Mm -hmm. other people it's more challenging and so I've said to a number of people this is where you're planted for now so without I don't mean to sound harsh but try to grow in that soil try to see what it can offer I mean as I've said I wouldn't trade Okay, I would trade a few minutes. I was going to say I wouldn't trade a minute. I would trade a few minutes on this journey, but I really think it's more <laughs> a matter of people keeping an open mind mm. about a different place, a different culture. Um, it's it's been life changing for me, um, but that's what I that's what I tend to say to people or or mm. ask that of them. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. I would agree. I remember uh, Evelyn Simpson, who I co-authored my book with, she always said that when they moved to a new location, she worked, moved through many locations with her husband. He worked for a multinational, so they were moved quite frequently. And they had this rule that in the new location, neither of them were allowed to talk about wanting to leave for one year. Um, okay. <laughs> so... They had to, you know, they would, get, they would give everywhere one year. I mean, it doesn't mean they couldn't complain a bit, but they would give it one year and really try to make it work. And then after one year, if it was kind of really not good. <laughs> but I don't think they actually, I think after that, they stayed everywhere past one year, you know, for the duration right. of whatever assignment they'd been given. Um, but I always thought that was quite a good idea. They set your mind on on trying to make this work and and, and, and finding yes. a way to make it work. Um Yes. And, and asking for help as well. As I,
1: well, as I agree said. with that. And I also think not comparing. I do find the people who mm. suffer the most mm. are often comparing the destination with, oh, it's not like either like home, yeah, true, mm-hmm. or like a previous posting, true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or mm-hmm. I do think it really helps if people can try to go in, start from zero and, and try to be open-minded about it and see yeah. what it has to offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. Fantastic, (laughs) great tips there.
0: So, if people would like to find your book, where can they go? And if they want to learn more about you, do you you have a website that they can come and find out more about you?
1: Absolutely. It's www and it's my first name and last name. So Margaret Gilmetti. uh, That's M A R G A R E T G H I E L M E T T I dot com. So there are several of my uh, storytelling stories on there, which some of them are my travel misadventures because I do a lot, lot of live-lit storytelling. My Instagram photos, I love to be in touch with people who love Instagram because that's how I share the beauty of the world. And yes, there are links to my book. I've got my book launch coming up. Uh, it's virtual. It's free on October 1st with Women okay. and Children First. Uh, mm-hmm. and I have other book events coming up, but I'm very grateful. Anyone who wants to be in touch, and I have a contact page there. So if anyone has questions or wants to be in touch, I would love that. That's connection and community are the most important things to me. So I appreciate Thanks. you asking.
0: Fantastic. Well, I will put all those links on the pod on the blog post um, okay. at thrivingbroad.com that accompanies this episode. So go and have a look for those there if you, if okay. you want to see them in written form. And also I'll link to your book as well. Thank you. So thank you so much for your time today. I've really
1: enjoyed talking to you, Margaret. Me too. Thanks so much.
0: Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. Remember to access the links and the full transcript from this conversation, go to thrivingaboard.com, click on the podcast tab, and look for episode 69. You can access the blog post associated with this episode, and there you'll find the link to the full transcript. And also, while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to receive the regular Thriving Abroad newsletter so I can keep you up to date with all the latest podcast and Thriving Abroad news. Thank you once again to Margaret for joining us today. And remember, you can go to her website to learn more about her and purchase her book Bravish to learn more about her international journey. I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Broad podcast series meanwhile take care and stay well wherever you are bye bye